is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Real Kipper and Born. Show number four already? Is that true? <laughs> we got producer Sam McKee. Tech Josh Santos. And of course, JB, Justin Bourne. How's it going, so Kipper? How are you doing today? I'm good, pal. How are you? So what's good. what's the good. big story go. in Leafland? Is it simply now bonding? We're bonding. Hey everybody! Look at us. Oh, do we lose Kipper? All right, I'll take over. Kipper, if you couldn't tell, there, it, uh, Nick Kiprios was calling us from under the ocean. Uh, so I think we're going to have Sam McKee join us. Sammy, is that you there, buddy? I'm here. All right, maybe it's just I'm me here. for now. There you are, bud. Uh, did we, did, <laughs> did Kipper's submarine get sunk? What just happened? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what Am happened. Am I back? There. He, went into Am the, I back? he went into the other dimension. <laughs> there he is. Kipper, you are back. We can hear you, bud. You know, this is uh, the the whole new world that when I disappeared, I didn't have to deal with all this technology. And of course, right now I'm I'm working from home, so there are some challenges going on right now. So we're gonna try our best here, but uh, hopefully I can stick around for you here, JB. Yeah, that yeah, that would be preferred. If you can't, you know, I'll uh, I'll get by with old Sammy there. We got a good show plan laid out. So, uh, but hopefully you're hopefully you're around. Now, did you catch a little bit of my the beginning of the show? Uh, the big story in Leafland today is all about bonding, and hey, everybody, look at us—we're bonding. Yeah, no, I did catch that. That uh, that is a concept I'm all too familiar with, and I got to be honest, I uh, I was a member of what was called on my uh, ECHL team uh, Black Cloud Club, the guy who just hated on all these things because they were just the worst. I found them awkward. I don't know. Were you a, a team bonding guy? Every day was bonding for me, right? As a, as a role yeah. player in the National Hockey League, when you're going to play that type of role, you got to bond with everybody. And that that's the key to a, a third or technically probably a, a fourth liner, right? If you're going to come in and play that mm -hmm. role, you got to make sure that you make every guy line up, every guy on your team feel like you've you've got their backs. And that mm -hmm. isn't is done as easy as it's said. But once you gain the trust of everybody, then you should be good to go as, as a role player. And like, you know, in my day, of course, much like still today, you know, you, you've got a room and it's, it's a different room. There's the, the Canadians, the Americans, the Swedes, the Russians, the Finns, right? All of them. And now we've got even yep. more countries involved and you've got to make sure that you, you spread the love equally uh, because that's what you do when you're, when you're a role player. 
Yeah. You know, it's actually really funny. I One of the things I got killed for most on Twitter was uh, by grouping a bunch of uh, Toronto Maple Leafs together as, uh, as guys from Nordic countries because they do. I got to know them. That was like stuck in my head because you see these guys in the dressing room and they hang out together based on language by and large, right? So you come to see these guys as groups. One of the things that Sheldon Keefe did, uh, at least with a team like that who had all these different cultures in the room, was he would put all the names uh, of like veterans and rookies in a hat pull one veteran and two rookies one veteran and two rookies and send these guys out to dinners and just force guys to get to know each other a little it can be awkward but there's no doubt that there is like value gained in getting to know these people on a level when you would never make plans on your own time to hang out with them you know and whether you're talking about me in my era or even the players today there's always the danger of of clicks within the room right where yeah. certain guys just kind of naturally get along a lot better than others and hey i have been on bonding trips where i've really gotten to know my teammates and i've left going that guy's even a bigger jerk than i thought before and (laughs) and i certainly don't want to hang out with him when he's had you know 12 beers he's even worse when he drinks (laughs) and i think in all honesty something like this this early is is a little bit uh, forced but justin mm-hmm. the real bonding comes from you know experiencing stuff on the ice it's not getting together and going bowling or the movies it's really about sitting back and you know in my era and i'm not suggesting that this is the way it is today or should be the way today it is today but when we really needed to help grow as a team give us a table give us a dozen folding chairs and give us three cases of beer and that's it yeah right you want bonding no, you're, not, you're not wrong you want yeah. bonding get a couple of cases of beer and let the truth serum start kind of working its magic and i get it everybody i know it's 2021 we can't talk like that anymore uh, but it's it's the truth that once you start to really bond is when you start experiencing or exchanging stories of being on the ice and what happened here and what happened there. And I'll give you a, uh, well, we'll get into the prime example of why I didn't like New Jersey last night. Um, And did you catch that whole exchange between PK Subban, Kreider, and of course, you know, Reeves going down, but I didn't see a whole, heck of a lot of bonding out in new jersey when they started attacking pk suban so you know those those are that's the stuff that i'm talking about that ultimately for the leafs to really show that they're bonding uh let's let's watch proof in the pudding on the ice yeah i i do think though that there is like as much as it you're right there's you go bowling with a group of guys and everyone's kind of like, uh, you know, first date almost. It's a little awkward and weird. You don't know about each other. I do think there's value in the early season stuff. Like one of the, you know, I've been on a trip where everyone went golfing, but you didn't pick your groups, right? You went out with the equipment manager and the PR guy and, you know, the fourth line left winger and just sort of these hodgepodge groups that as much as, you know, it's forced. I still think that you leave those days with a relationship that me- makes being at the rink easier and maybe you understand people a little better. 
I agree the best scenario, too, is to sit around and have guys go out. There's no doubt that you have better conversations and more. you say more things in those scenarios. But I get why they want to do it, even if it isn't a great time and maybe isn't as valuable for, for everyone. Certainly some, some big storylines. Uh, we're going to continue our, the theme on, on, on the Leafs, of course. But, man, what an announcement today with Montreal Canadian goaltender Carey Price being away from the definitely after volunteering uh, in, into the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program. Uh, we didn't see this coming, and mm-hmm. we, of course, got uh, Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman, waiting in the wings here, and we're going to get into that with him as well. Um, Eichel, we're going to tee up Eichel uh, in that situation, and I, I had a tweet last night that uh, certainly uh, – may hopefully show that there are signs that maybe this thing is getting closer. And I know Elliot's got a lot to say about that, but uh, uh, how surprised, first of all, JB, you hearing mm-hmm. about Montreal not starting with Carey Price? Well, obviously, uh, super surprised. And, you know, one of those situations that you're sorry to hear someone is going through whatever it is he's going through, whether it be mental health or otherwise. But it's cool now that, like, the support seems universal, like this, there's support from the fans, from the the organization themselves. There's just such a better understanding. And this is the same organization who just went through it with Jonathan Drouin. Obviously, uh, different situations and different people, but they've shown themselves to be supportive of these players. And um, I think that's a great growth in the National Hockey League. I think the pressures to hide everything and constantly, uh, you know, struggle through something because the team wants you to is is less than it was when when I played, and and I assume when when you played too. Wow. I'm not sure I completely buy your 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 thoughts on for the world's a lot more of absolutely but mm-hmm. I, and when when you talk about the sensitivity of the the Montreal Canadiens and and any other team moving forward they're going to say and do publicly everything that kind of follows because if they don't, we know they're going to get killed, right? Sure. But, you know, Justin, at the end of the day, I honestly believe this, even at that 21, that yes, they are sympathetic, and yes, they're they're doing and saying the right things, but whether or not it's Carey Price or me or anyone else, when guys are out of the lineup, man, it's all about what are we going to do? And whether it's Carey Price or Jonathan Joanne with mental wellness or it's Nick Kiprios who broke his leg, once you're out, you're you're gone. It's like now the focus outside of saying everything publicly and politically correct is like the only thing that now Bergevin has to worry about is what the hell am I going to do with my goaltending situation right now? That is the only focus. When you're not there... You're gone. Broken leg, mental health issues, uh, pulled groins. They're all the same to them. They don't care. It's all about what are we now. And that's where I think Montreal is really scrambling. Yeah. You know, the press conference with Bergevin today, like I got the impression he truly cared in this situation. You know, oh, listen. I, I, absolutely. This is your yeah. star. And, and they're all your babies. They're all your... They're 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 your your professional family. Absolutely, you're correct in in Bergevin's natural reaction. But mm-hmm. once he's gone, and we know he's 
he's, he's there. He's getting healthy. It's it's all about now moving forward. And it's all about now, it's again, the team, the number one priority, the team. Not They'll, they'll revisit in two weeks, see how Kerry's doing. Mm-hmm. But he's forgotten for the Montreal Canadiens. They, they're, they're now on the, what the hell are we going to do here? Yeah, from a hockey standpoint, from a pure hockey standpoint, the Montreal Canadiens' uh, outlook looks significantly different all of a sudden. Um, you know, Sam Montembeau, uh, probably not the guy they expected to be one of the, you know, have a, a role with his team going forward here. Uh, you know, Jake Allen uh, can be a good goaltender, but yeah, with, you know, missing Edmondson as well, the Montreal Canadiens, there's, there's some concern at the start of the season that you don't want to fall behind the eight ball too much because that's going to be a tough division, right? Like, Four really, really good teams. So uh, a slow start. It, uh, it would uh, it would not go, not be good for their playoff hopes. Let's go to Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night Canada's uh, lead analyst, all things hockey. Elliot Friedman. Uh, Elliot, um, I usually like to joke around with you off the top, but um, it, it's it's hard when when we heard the news about Carey Price right now and just how usually you guys. You guys, you inside really good, man, but no one saw this coming, correct? That's correct. And, and Nick, I was going to do this whole thing when you first spoke to me. And I was going to go, who is this? This voice sounds familiar. <laughs> but it is, you're right. It, it is kind of hard to, to do that today. Um, look, uh, like Bergerman said he didn't see it coming. And considering he's right with them all the time, if he didn't see it coming, I don't know how I would have. That's for sure. It was, you know, I guess you, like we always look at things, Nick and, and Justin, with twenty twenty hindsight, right? Like you hear at the end of the season he's hurt. They leave him unprotected. Um, you know, then the word comes he's not going to start camp. Then, as you guys talk about, they claim Montembeau on waivers. The other day, Dominic Ducharme says he's not going to start the season because he's battling a, a non-COVID illness. And then all of a sudden you get this. And, you know, I, I think the only thing I can really think of is, you know, was there anything maybe we should have seen coming, but you still don't expect this. And I, I thought the best thing about the, the media conference today was that Bergevin said he's optimistic that this will turn out well for Price and his family. So if the guy who has the most information feels some sense of optimism, that's uh, heartwarming at least. Which is which is great, and that's what we all want is to see Carey Price back doing what he loves and, and doing it very well. Now the question is, Elliot, though, and, and this goes back to my earlier comment about the here yeah. and now for, for Bergevin, is how long? Like, he has gone a minimum one month, 30 days. Yeah. But yeah. Th- these things don't get fixed in 30 days. And... How long now do we expect him to be gone? There's no predictability on that. But right. if you're Bergevin, you've got to start thinking that you're not going to see this guy back to, say, January at the earliest. That's that's how I would see this moving forward. Well, if I was in Bergevin's shoes, my philosophy right now would be hope for the best, plan for the worst, Right. That, that's the way you have to look at it. From a hockey point of view, you have to say, okay, I'm very hopeful for my goaltender here, but I have to prepare as if I may not have him, as you said there. Um, so, I mean, you know, the one thing is, Allen saved their season last year. 
when Price was hurt and they were going down the stretch, and remember they had that really tough schedule at the end of the year because it was compressed after they had uh, the COVID uh, internally, uh, Allen was huge for them. And, you know, I think at the time, if you go back and, and you read all the reviews on Bergevin's acquisition of Jake Allen, there was a lot of what the bleep? Like, why is he trading for this guy? And I have to wonder if on some level, uh, Bergevin saw Price, and, you know, it's obvious he believes in Price a great deal, but he saw the, what was going on with his body and said, I better have an insurance policy here. And last year, Jake Allen was a great insurance policy. Like, he's going to have to be as good this year as he was last year. And the other thing, guys, like, in the playoffs last year, Montreal played a very disciplined system. Like, I was jokingly calling them Islanders light. And, and that team's going to have to be that way in front of Allen uh, from the beginning of the season. None of this, oh, it's 82 games. We can relax a little bit. The Canadians have to come out of the gate focused because, as you mentioned, they're missing some other pretty key players too. Like, that's all you can do. And you know, Nick, too, Bergevin is one of the most unafraid GMs in the league. He's going to be looking for things out there. He can't get a price. I don't think that's possible. But he's going to look for something else. He's not afraid. And if he sees something he can get that he thinks makes them better, we all know he's going to do it. Elliot, uh, first off, I just wanted to say congrats on your new radio program, The Daily Show, that you're taking on. That's a big accomplishment for you in your career. Uh, next, okay. I, I, <laughs> I just wanted to keep it in Canada and ask you about Brady Kachuk and his situation. Yeah. He's a guy – this is a situation to me that has the makings of something that could go long. Am I yeah. wrong in my reading of the situation? No, you're not wrong. Like, I don't like to guess because it can always change with one phone call. Oh, I do. But, but there, yeah, I know. But, like, you're, <laughs> like, Justin, like, look at the personalities here. On one hand, you've got the Kachucks, a very confident family that knows the business of sports inside and out. And on the other hand, you've got the Ottawa Senators who have a plan. They want to lock in all their best young players as long as they can. They've done it with Shabbat. They've done it with Batherson. They're trying to do it with Kachuk. They did it with Colin White. It hasn't worked with White yet, but it was a good gamble when they did it. I thought it was a very fair gamble to take. Look at, and one of the things they have told Kachuk is, look, we still have Stutzle, who's a hell of a player. We still have Norris, who's a hell of a player. We want to make sure we can keep this team together. And that's why they want seven or eight years. I, I think Kachuk knows that the cap... The, the, a lot of people are guesstimating that the next big cap bump is going to be three years from now. So the summer of 2025. So he's aware of that. And the other thing, too, is just look at how many great players, because of the ownership situation, have had to leave Ottawa. I think he wants to make sure that he's in the right situation. The question now, and we, the three of us can debate this, who has the hammer? Who's got the hammer here? And the more I think about it, the more I think Kachuk does because Ottawa needs to get off to a good start. There's a lot. They have a lot of good young players. Um, you know, I, I think, like, the fans are excited. I think, I think they need a good start. And if I'm the Senators, I'm thinking I may not want to do this, but I might just do it anyway. Like, do you guys agree or disagree? I, like, I think Kachuk has the hammer here a little bit. Like, have you not been paying attention your whole career? The players have had it always, always. Every it depends player. on if they want to use it. 
Well, the Kachuks, as we know, aren't scared to use it. Yeah. And, Elliot, the bottom line is here is you can and, – and Eichel's the most prime example. Like, is there anyone – when he signed 80 million times eight, was there anyone that envisioned him ever not being a member of the Buffalo Sabre, you know, three years later, four years later? Mm-hmm. And, and the players now – is you're you're a hundred percent right. It's just how hard do they want to push, mm-hmm. and when they always have the ch- uh, the option of withholding their services or not, you know, coming to to work or under uh, under the rules and regulations of of your team, opposed to what I how I want to dictate a contract, uh, whatever your policies are, then then you have a, a a dead asset and right now there's a dead one in buffalo and there's a there's one in ottawa right now and i i just do believe now that the players now if they push hard enough eventually will get what they want and i i think if if brady kachuk wants a three-year deal then you're gonna have to find a, a three-year deal for him and uh, jack we know is going to get traded so yeah. But but the feeling now for Ottawa is if we give Kachuk a three-year deal, he's getting three years to walk. He's getting three years to walk in, in, in four as a UFA. Well, you, you know what, Nick? At some point in time, you have to bet on your franchise, right? Like, like I, don't think, I don't think Kachuk dislikes playing in Ottawa. I think at the beginning he was very wary about being drafted there. Very wary. But I think he likes the team. He likes the coach. He likes yeah. the players. Does he like the owner? Elliot, does well, he like the owner? Yeah, no, but that's why it's going to be a three-year deal, Nick. That's well, why it's and, a three-year deal. And, and Elliot, that's great because mm-hmm. I have – me and my family, we've been watching the history of this organization. Yes. And all we've seen is is you guys kind of shoot yourselves in the foot. And right. if if And why don't you give me three years so I can watch that? And I feel good. I'll sign. I'll resign, yes. and if I don't, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. You have so, to bet on your here. You have to bet on your franchise. You have to, you have to like, like, like the thing is, like, if if they can, it's a big deal. But they've committed to Batherson. They've committed to Shabbat. They commit to Stutzley and Norris. He stays, and they're yeah. a normal franchise. But, he stays. But, but they 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 wanted their money a little bit more than Brady, and. Brady, some people get razzle-dazzled as soon as you throw 30, 40 million bucks in front of them and they sign. <laughs> Brady's not like that. No. Okay? I know. But you know what, Justin? Your dad didn't have career earnings of 90 million no. bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, and, no, no, and, he did and, not. And it's it's not the number one motivation right now. That's not the one number one carrot right now. I'm more interested to to really truly believe that you guys are a, a serious organization. And can we say that the Ottawa Senators have acted like a serious organization? You know, the last five or six years. Well, how many times, Nick, have we seen them put together a good group of players and lose them? Like, like, I think the Senators do a pretty good job of identifying players. At some point in time, you're right. You have to be able to convince them. And, yeah. and like, like it's, not, it's not wrong for Kachuk to feel that way. 
Like, don't forget, he's represented by Newport. They went through this with Eric Carlson. They went through this with Mark Stone. They've seen it firsthand. So if the player is wary, you have to understand, you know, why that is. What do you think about the idea idea of, like, not giving signing bonuses to players? Like, uh, to me, if the rest of the league is doing it, how do you make yourself to be – I know St. Louis does it a little bit too, but, like, you know, other guys are getting money, and if you don't want to do signing bonuses, I'll play somewhere else. Is that not a major hindrance to keeping your talent, the the whole signing bonus problem? You know, Justin, there's more teams – like, Winnipeg doesn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, As you mentioned, St. Louis is very wary about it. I think the Islanders didn't do it this summer. Like, the one thing the pandemic has changed, well, it's changed a lot of things, but, Justin, it's that. Like, like some agents and teams told me there were, there were more teams this summer who were very wary about signing bonuses than ever before. And, and one agent told me that he had one team that said, don't even, don't even bring it up in the conversation. Like, the owner's just not going to do it. Like, like I think it comes down to what you can negotiate. And... You know, some teams are going to say no. And some players are going to have power to say, well, that's not going to work for me. But I do think you're going to see teams being a lot stingier about it now than they have been in the past. Elliot, last night I uh, I, I put out a tweet about Eichel and yep. the New York Rangers. And uh, despite what maybe Chris Drury is saying behind the scenes, yep. Rangers have been hot on Eichel right from last season yeah and uh i also mentioned last night that uh this has gone beyond medical reports that there's no Mm -hmm. question that if if you're in the eichel talks right now it is with the assumption that you will let him get the surgery that he wants so really really elliot all all we're dealing with now is hey just find the right pieces and get this thing over with I, I think that there. I think that a lot of that is true. Like, like I, I do think the Rangers have always kind of felt that Buffalo will not trade him there. Um, you know, when pre Drury, I had heard that the Rangers felt what the Buffalo, but what Buffalo was asking was just they they weren't willing to do it. Now, I don't believe that Buffalo would only send him to the Western Conference. Do I think they'd prefer to send him away? Yeah, I think they do, but I don't think that's an absolute. You know, Nick, the one question I don't have answered yet is, like, there's, there's a couple teams, I think, who have suggested, why don't you let him get his surgery and have him come back and play 15 games for you so we can all see what he's like before the deadline? And, and I don't know if Buffalo is going to do that, but I think that's at least been proposed to them. And I know I, I'm pretty sure there's some teams who are willing to make this deal, but they prefer Buffalo do it that way. So that's still a part there. I I said the exact same thing, that they may have to eat crow and bring him back and let him play. And that's why I think Kevin Adams made a horrific uh, mistake making such a big deal of... Huge risk if he's no good, though, Nick, isn't it? I don't think he'll be no good. It's a big risk, though. No, 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 no. But but look at the whole situation, Justin. It's like right now, nobody's getting what they want, right? Oh, yeah, nobody's no getting what they want. Right. So somebody is going to have to break the log jam. I just, I just think this is a really bad look for the sport. Somebody has to break the log jam. It, it has to happen. Maybe and if, do it. If, if it comes to, uh, if it comes to, he's no good. 
write the contract off on insurance. That's what they, you don't have to spend, if you're the Pagula, don't worry, you don't have to spend all uh, 40 or 50 million bucks that's still owed. Just write the thing off and, and call it a day. But something has to happen here, yeah. you know, something like because... This. It, it it is it's just bad. It's just bad for uh, first of all the Buffalo Saber fans. They they deserve better than this. You know mm-hmm. they they they're paying money for goodness sakes to go see what they thought was Jack Eichel for the next eight years. And I I don't know whether the league or the PA have to get more involved, but something needs to something needs to happen in the next little while. I he wants to that. play in the Olympics, right, Elliot? Oh, is that what you who wouldn't? Right? Who wouldn't? Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel right up the middle? Who wouldn't like that? All of Canada and... is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Justin. I like that. Yeah. Elliot, uh, any, any, any idea of what maybe – teams are looking for coming in to start the season let's just swing this back to the Leafs uh is there a sense that they might lose somebody in the waiver wire what are you what are you hearing well I think that um you know one of the one of the things that we're looking at here is like what are you thinking among the depth forwards like is, is Brooks on the team like there have been some yeah. weird waiver claims guys like like uh, that Janssen, Fjallby, and Gadjevich, like teams are taking some shots here. Like there have been more waiver claims than, than a lot of us expected. Like, like, I, like you guys think Adam Brooks is on the roster? And if not, do you think he's going to clear waivers? I think, there's a, I think there's two or three guys that have a legitimate shot of being claimed off waivers, and, and he would be one of them, absolutely. Um. Like, like I've been watching uh, Oliver Shillington in Calgary. They've been playing him a ton. They have eight defensemen signed. Like, they think he's going to clear waivers. I, I can't imagine he would. They've really given him an opportunity. Um, but like, at, like, like, I, I got to think like if it's Engvall or Brooks, like, you're going to lose. I, I think there's a decent chance you lose a guy like that if you put him on waivers. Yeah. It seems hey, uh, like a- Go ahead there, Nick. No, you go, Justin. Go. Oh, I was just going to set Elliot free. So unless you have one more. No, no, no. One more. One more. Okay. Uh, I I need your thoughts on Robin Leonard and and any word on how the meeting went with him and uh, the the league. I assume he spoke to Gary and, and Bill. We, I, I know that they have spoken to yep. he has spoken to the NHL. Um, what's the thought here? Because I've I've made it clear to Justin that uh, again I'm I'm sympathetic to his history, mm-hmm. but where's the line between Robin getting away with what he said and what another player could get away with what they say? You know, I'll I'll tell you this, Nick. I, I think the biggest the the biggest complaint I heard was that the Vino thing was allowed to hang for 36 hours. That was the biggest complaint I heard because even though Leonard said later he didn't mean to imply that Vino was illegally or immorally doing anything with drugs, it just kind of hung there, right? Because that's social media. Things get garbled sometimes. And I know Vino very publicly handled it gracefully, but I yes. can't imagine that behind the scenes 
I, I tell I, you. Like, Philadelphia's got to be furious, right? No, so, Elaine's furious. I, yeah, I, exactly. Yes. So I, I think and, that I and, think that that is one thing that they said. You can't do that. But I take Leonard's word that he believes the league and the players' association were sincere. And I know like a, uh, some people in the league who get along with Leonard, and they say that he's not lying when he says that that he believes that they okay. are genuine. But if if he didn't mean on Elaine Vigneault, then Elaine behind the scenes he wants a public apology. Do you think Robin owes him at least a public apology? I, I think he should just say, "Look, like I didn't. I, I, I think I do think he should." I think you should apologize to Vino directly for that. I'm okay with that. Um, I, yeah. it, it does, but, you know, the problem is, Elliot, the problem is when you do something like that public and behind the scenes, Elaine may feel good uh, with Robin and they may be fine, but, you know, social media, you know how mean they are. I mean, yeah. Elaine's a, he's a, he's a pill pusher now. He's the NHL coach who pushes pills. It's like it would help Elaine publicly if he got mm-hmm. an apology. You know, like I, I can, I see your point, Nick. Like I look at it like the way, like I find the whole online world, social media world, very phony. And like if it was you, like if it was you and me, and like let's just say, for example, that after a show, you accuse me of eating nine pieces of pizza when I only had seven, uh, and I was upset about that. I would prefer if you came to me directly and said, "Hey, I, I, I was wrong about that. I don't need you to tweet it out." So. Like, if it was me in that particular situation, like, I would find it more meaningful if Leonard just called me directly and just said, hey, I I mucked that up. I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I don't know. I just find the whole social media world very phony. I think it's actually easier to put something out there than it is to call someone or meet someone face-to-face. So all I know is that if I was ever in that situation, uh, I would would hope that someone would call or reach out to me face-to-face. See, and I would hope that you would come to me, Elliot, and say, <laughs> hey, Nick, thanks for tweeting out that I only had nine pieces of pizza <laughs> when I had 12 pieces of pizza. <laughs> Elliot Friedman uh, from Hockey Night in Canada. 32 thoughts. Hey, Elliot, thanks for doing this, pal. All right, guys. Great to listen to you guys. Great to hear you. And uh, we'll chat again. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Reach. Elliot Friedman. That sounded like kind. you guys had a story, buddy. And I don't need, uh, like, I didn't even get into, like, uh, his, his latest wardrobe, his hair. So uh, how quickly, Sam, can we bring him back? What do you think? <laughs> Justin, when when can we bring I'm, him back? You know, I'm wearing a a, a no bullying bracelet from my son's school right now, uh, Kipper. I'm going to keep Fried clear of our show to protect him from you. <laughs> wow. Well, any any afterthoughts on that conversation? Whether you want to go Kachuk or or Leonard or uh, Carey Price, and again, you know, mm-hmm. so sympathetic for. For Kerry, we wish him a speedy recovery. But you know how this world works, uh, Justin. Yeah. It'll be within 15 seconds after I say this that people are going to start going on uh, on on uh, on social media and going, "Okay, who, who's who's the goalie of the Olympics for Canada now? Who's who's the number one guy?" Yeah, because there is 
you know, a legitimate chance now that he will not be available for the Canadian Olympic team. Yeah. No, I would say it's uh, it's definitely in doubt. Uh, one of those hold your breath and wait type of situations. I see you, what you mean, like people just ready to sort of turn the page on to the next thing. Um, yeah, that was just a wildly uncertain stuff to guess on. The one thing I did take away from uh, Elliot's uh, talking, your conversation there, and something I wanted to get back to, to you with is the idea of Eichel coming back and potentially not being great. And, you know, you mentioned the whole, like, insurance thing, which is possible too. But in that scenario, you get no assets. You know, like, I I just think that this guy has to go before you risk him coming back and maybe just disappointing, not because he can't do it anymore, because his timing is off, he hasn't played in a year, he feels different. I just really feel like this needs to happen tomorrow and and not, you know two months from now or something like that no you 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 bring up an excellent point that it's it's what can we do right now what are the the what's the maximum return and i i I did talk to a couple of hockey teams last night that uh, may be in the mix and they say to me that we got to get buffalo to a point where they understand Uh that there's a trade for jack eichel if he is healthy and doesn't need surgery. And then there's a trade for Jack Eichel who needs surgery, but they cannot be, cannot be the same. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right yeah. now, Buffalo, Buffalo isn't there. It's almost as if they do not want to acknowledge that what's, the the road that's still ahead for Jack Eichel. They just want to trade him as if he's Jack without needing surgery. And that that makes it difficult, very complex. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a huge disparity between what they could get. Like, let's say Eichel comes back for a proposed 15 games that you guys were kicking around, and he scores 11 times and has 11 assists, and, yeah. you know, he, he looks awesome. All of yes. a sudden, how much more is there for them to get for him if he looks like then, that Jack Eichel? Then, then when you're Kevin Adams and you ask for it, then you hold your head up high and say, this is this is one of the best players in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is this is Jack Eichel, one step below Connor McDavid. Let the bidding begin. Right now, at what kind of discount are they looking at? Like, are they going to get like you have to have an impactful player today, and likely hopes of another one immediately after? Yeah, right? I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that because no. I don't think Buffalo is in that position right now to say that we want, a, say, a, a twenty-seven or twenty-eight-year-old in his prime. So I think Buffalo would be okay taking three, four or five blue chip pieces. So if you're the Rangers, you've got a couple of first rounders, plus uh, let's dip into that first round pool that you guys have been um, hoarding for the last four or five years. That's what they're interested. They're not interested in Zabatajad coming back. No. Right? They don't want him. He's 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 too old. He, he missed the boat. Plus, he's going to become a free agent at the end of the this year. And, uh, and, uh, He's going to want 
nine and a half, ten million dollars, and we're not even sure that we'd we'd be willing to give him Jack Eichel's old contract. So right. that I, that's that's where Buffalo wants. They want they want to strip a team of their blue chip prospects. I just feel like at some point though they got to have NHL players because no one on your team can develop when you're as bad as they look like they're going to be. Like I understand your point and I get it like they absolutely should do that, but then they need to find a way to bring NHL players in there. Like no one gets better when you're on a terrible team. It's depressing to go to the rink. Guys lose their fire for hockey. Like rebuilding, tearing a team down is one thing and building it back up is a totally different thing. I worry that Buffalo's got it so stripped down here. They're just never going to get going in the other direction unless they get some NHL players too. But I guess you can't have everything when you need a whole lot of players, a whole lot of pieces to turn it around. 